0: This episode of The Sportsman's Empire is brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Since 1952, Interstate Batteries has been evoking compassion and a trustworthy spirit into the surrounding communities. Interstate Batteries is a mission-driven company fueled by purpose and guided by their values. If you need help locating a specific battery, stop into your local Interstate Batteries retail store and speak with a battery specialist. They even offer cell phone repairs. Interstate Batteries. Outrageously dependable.
1: Let's go. I wake up to a little bit of drone feel like it's gonna be a bad
0: day. So yeah, welcome to the O2 Podcast. We're back. Uh <laughs> Paul's burped. my uh email debacle issues that are driving me nuts but uh are we gonna start the show like that exactly that's exactly how we're starting it new year baby new year so welcome back and uh, we're, we're glad that you can hop on and, and learn something today's show is pretty cool uh yeah. with rob beckman and uh, rob is petitioning the state to allow rifles to be used for deer hunting in ohio uh, yes yeah. that's a pretty cool topic and it's uh a lot of head scratching when you, when you start thinking about some of the different, you know, rules or reasons and different things like that. So uh, we won't get into it too much here in the intro, but uh, Paul, what are you about to man?
1: Dude, this is, this is the beginning of the madness for me,
0: the gauntlet,
1: the gauntlet. So here, listen to this 81 days, buddy, 81 days in the state hunting turkeys. I'm starting a lot earlier than that. Uh, Thankfully, but dude, NWTF convention is just 15 days away or something like that. 16 days. I don't even know, man, but dude, I just, I'm doing the NWTF podcast. So I just scheduled like 15, seriously, like 15 interviews for this podcast. that I got to get done pre-convention and it's, it's wild, dude. I'm, I'm very grateful, but it's just like, I just looked at my, my work week. It's insane. It is insane from now until like May. So buckle up. But you, man, you've been you've been sunny, sunny Florida, sun your balls down in Florida. Right. Don't delete
0: that either. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Uh, that wouldn't exactly be the case. I was I was down there for a work conference. It was nice. Uh, it was warmer than here. It wasn't. You know, it was one of those things—the best days when when the weather was the nicest and you could have actually enjoyed it were the days I was in the conference on the trade show floor, all that kind of fun stuff. So, uh, but it's fine. You know, it's still like going out and and being able to stand outside and not freeze your ass off and yeah. and all that. So, um, it was good. And uh, I'll tell you what, you can't I can't help but wonder. Now you've been down there, but when I when I go through Florida and I see these areas, you know, the equivalent of a wooded lot or you know, patch of woods around here. And I is see, is there a Turkey in there? No, I'm like, oh. who the hell in their right mind would ever want to hunt in there? Because the jungle that that is, I'm like, there is no desire in my mind at all to ever want to hunt in Florida. If I guess if I'm not with somebody that's well-known, well knows the area between the snakes and the gators and the bugs, and everything else is down there. Bite your ass and kill you.
1: Dude, it is, it is awesome. I love it.
0: Good. I would do awesome. it again. i
1: I'm, 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 trying trying to do a, a florida hunt i don't think it's gonna happen but we'll see
0: well you but it's crazy man that jungle is is real i don't want anything to do with that so nah, you'd be all right uh but anyways yes we're back and uh beginning here uh, i guess we're almost in the second month of of the year um shed season's coming up getting excited about that kids are itching to go and look and i'm like guys we gotta wait we really need to like Give us a few more weeks, give us our best chance of finding stuff. Um, but besides that, it's been, uh, man, it's just the grind of life. You know, I think you and I yeah. have figured that out, and we got a million and a half things we're juggling, and whatever. No, that's life. That's it, man.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: So, as far as news around the state goes, so a couple quick highlights here. Um, we had 239 locations uh, in Ohio that were stocked with fish last year. So they put out a, a little release on that. Um, okay, 40.8 cool. 40. million fish and 11 wow. species nice. stocked in 2023. So hopefully you were able That's to get cool. out there and take advantage of that. Um, some more information here. About the H2 Ohio project. Restoration of islands in the Maumee River uh, will help filter water and reduce erosion. That's good. Bison Hollow becomes Ohio's 146th state nature preserve.
1: There you go.
0: So this is uh, 375 acres of land down in Hocking and Vinton counties. It's now permanently protected. There you cool. A new class of resource officer cadet training has begun, so good luck to them. Looks like, let's see, Uh, the cadets who were selected from a pool of 326 applicants, and oh, man, I should have better information. Looks like there's about a dozen of them. That's pretty cool. There's uh,
1: 203,000 deer so far. Did you see that? Is that the number? Yeah, 203,000, uh, and we still have a few days left in the season, so just a little north of three, 203. That's wild, man.
0: That's good. I, maybe I would have gotten that email, but my email is not working, so thank you. Thank you, Google.
1: Yeah, as of uh, January 9th, the Wildlife Division had issued 412,956 deer permits. Wow. Here we go. Top uh, top out-of-state licenses sold. Pennsylvania, Michigan, West Virginia, North Carolina, and New york
0: there you go there you go so i think that's that's all i got as far as news goes from around the state um man i don't know what else anything else catch your eye this week
1: uh there's some nwtf banquets coming up the uh buckeye conservation chapter so if you're in central ohio uh is coming up it's in pickerington which is pretty cool that's always a good banquet that is my home Home chapter. I need to get you to one of these, man. Do you have to be a member to go? Um. So when you go, you become a member. That's part of the 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 cost to get in as a membership. So it's usually like thirty five. Thirty five is a membership,
0: but I think it's like fifty bucks to get in. Is there hazing um, involved? Do you have to wear like a turkey fan and walk around naked or anything? You like
1: have that? to. You have to express your undying love for the wild turkey and and rebuke or whatever you want to call it. All year. <laughs> Uh so yeah Buckeye Conservation Chapter February 9th 5:30 p.m. visit nwtf.org. click on events uh let's see Great Seal Chapter down in Chillicothe you are February 3rd Wybridge Longbeards which is this 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 Saturday February 3rd guess who's running the show there for that one
0: uh Paul Campbell
1: yeah yep my uh my coworker is like triple booked that day so he called me and said ah, I need you to help man so I'm going to go and do my best Carney act <laughs> and, and, and run the NWTF banquet. So that'll be fun. If you're in Sainsville, come see me. Let's see. What else? Kilbuck Valley, long beers up in Millersburg, February 10th. Man, there's all sorts of Machindo, Machindo Longspurs. Listen, Montpelier, Ohio. I need to know where Montpelier's at Northwest. Is it Northwest? Dude, the Machindo Longspurs, one of the best banquets in the city of Ohio. Like <laughs> it, one of the be- best banquets know. in the country.
0: What's that? We stayed in Mount Pelier the one day or the one time, didn't we? Oh,
1: that's right. We did on the, on the lake, the lost Swan hunt. Yeah. Mm. that was There you go. Okay. So I have been there. Those guys, they know to do it right, man, but check them out. But yeah, visit WTF.org, Check out what they got going on. So
0: thanks to our partners, Blackgate, blackgatehunting.com cameras. I can't say enough about them, man. I need to get out there and put some batteries and some stuff and, uh, check them out, make sure they're all still there. But, uh, when the pictures come through, they're amazing. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I brought all mine in, man. I'm done, dude. I am done for hammer season. I know, I'll, I know. I'll probably put, I'll probably put them up during turkey season when I'm out there. Just, just throwing them. Up. I just want to see the birds after I'm done hunting with them. So X vision.
0: Thanks the guys at X vision. I need to get out there and use that damn scope. I'm waiting for my suppressor to be done. So anybody from the ATF wants to go ahead and sign off on that. That'd be great. Uh, <laughs> Wild, How long have you been waiting for that? A long enough. I'm way past the average date, so. Yeah. Which is about standard for my life, um, so I'm not really su- too surprised. But, um, yeah, Time to Go Wild. Thanks to those guys. Check out uh, time, to go, is it time to Go Wild.com, social media platform for all your stuff, your hunting and angling, people posting ducks and everything else that they've been popping along the way. Yeah. Um, Thanks to Timber Ninja, Jason, and Bo, and all the guys down there. Probably need to get a better uh, review of our, our Timber Ninja stuff from this year because it was, I thought it was great. But uh, we're we'll working on a video yep. for that. But, um, and a lot awesome. of the stuff you can find on our website. It's uh, theo 2 podcastcom If you click on the shop tab, you guys can meander and peruse and... Start making that list of things you need for next season, or turkey season, or whatever you're trying to do. Um, What's it, man? So
1: you can also shameless plug here: turkeyseason.com. I got yep. some stuff on there, man.
2: Podcast as- is going
1: well, dude. Yep. I got I got uh, the Spring Legion crew tonight. That'll be fun. Yeah, all three of them, and one, and <laughs> it's gonna be wild, man. So here, listen to this. Listen, listen. It doesn't
0: come through very well. This. Uh, the zoom the zoom blocks it out or something I don't know does it really freaking zoom man, yeah come on zoom. Uh,
1: that was that was some hooting for you guys that uh that out hoot in the morning and spring so or all day hell, I do it all day, man yeah. hooted turkey at two in the afternoon,
0: your family must just love you
1: um, it comes and goes <laughs> you no know? it. uh I mean so on my desk right now, I've got one two three, four five six, seven nine tell other. 16 turkey calls on my desk Uh that I'm and just a pile of strikers. Like, dude, I'm just getting geared up, man. This is not even the portion. I gotta, I gotta find the one, man. I gotta, I'll use the, you saw me last year. I use like one or two turkey calls all like for the entire year and it just rotates. So, this one right here, and you're, this is a podcast, no one can see this, but this is a Matt Van Size call. If you don't know who Matt Van Size is, Google him. He is, dude. The guy's won every calling competition. I mean, he is like the man in the calling competition circuit, and uh, call making. Dude, the guy's exceptional. He will also be on an episode of the Turkey Season podcast.
0: So check that out. Wonderful. Yeah, Wonderful. we are got to do some good turkey content. We got to yeah, get Josh Carney back on. Yeah, buddy. Um, what day does turkey season open officially? We were talking about this one day because it's in not eight. April twentieth. It's on the book. It's I
1: don't even know if it's on their website, but I don't think it it first. April 1st. April twentieth. Don't tell anybody said that. No, actually, I don't know. I think they're still working through it. I've heard it's the closest um Saturday to April twentieth, but I, I don't see any reason
0: that it's not going to be April twentieth. I really I really don't. So So we think. We think April twentieth, but we're we're just gonna go ahead and and leave it as a think. We got a lot of folks in the DNR that listen to to this show. So one, thank you for that. Um
1: Feel put free. it out. It's probably out there now. I've just missed listen. it. But
0: yeah. All right, buddy. Um, well, we will get to Rob Beckman and uh his discussion on rifles in Ohio. I think this is a very good one. I think it's uh something that the state really needs to take a look at. And uh we will put in our show notes and stuff. He's got a change. Or change.org, uh petition. Change.org, yeah um, to help move this forward and put some support behind it. So, um, I've I'm said- interested.
1: I I'm, I'm on board. I want to see, I just want them to consider it. I mean, dude, we were in Michigan hunting on, I, I mean, you had a two what a two seventy three. I got a six, five. I mean, you know, people were walking around the woods. You just, you know, it's, it's, it's an inherent risk, man. Anytime you're out there.
0: Yeah. And if, but- if maybe you're not sure about this one, um, I will tell you right off the bat, we cover Rob's kind of credentials, the dude knows guns, he knows firearms, he knows safety, he's uh you know, got a lot of credentials behind his name as far as um understanding ballistics and, and all that kind of stuff. So he's not just some random guy that decided he wants to shoot his rifle during deer season, right? That's yeah. he's it's very well calculated and then he's very yeah, well is sharp
1: guy. Yeah. yeah. So here, hold on, listen listen. I'm gonna have... <laughs> oh, this. here, hold on, hold on. You can't hear that at all? God, that makes me
0: mad. I wonder if it's a frequency thing or something. It That's
1: must good. be. These uh, they hate the wild turkey. That's what it is. That's what um, zoom yeah. does. Here, what about this one?
0: Nope. Really? Nope. For all <laughs> everybody listening, Paul is attempting to, to use turkey calls and uh, I can't hear <laughs> anything. So, it makes me mad. <laughs> anyway, Well, so. uh, We'll have a good week if you guys get out there and get that last uh, chance of the deer for the year, but Nope, Paul, still nothing. nothing. Nothing?
1: Oh, my God. This is unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> and we find will... us online, the O2 podcast, the yep, dot yep. O2 dot podcast on Instagram. Find us on Go We'll
0: talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. And we'll edit out the front part if we need to or whatever. But um, I guess, Rob, welcome to the show. Um, you reached out to us and yes, we, uh, I think if I understand you are kind of spearheading this idea of bringing the traditional rifle cartridge, I'm, I'm a gun idiot, so I don't know what the official crimp neck or I don't know, you know, I'm used to the same straight wall now, but like real cartridges, real rifle cartridges to the state of Ohio for hunting purposes. Is that accurate?
2: Yeah. The the whole point behind it is a lot of people have a choice between do you want to do it, bode, do you want to do muscler, do you want to do straight wall cartridges, or do you want to be able to go long and use Grandpa's thirty, thirty, thirty 30 6 270, uh, those those different kind of things for a variety of reasons.
0: You mean kind of like every state in a, that surrounds us,
2: basically? Exactly. Okay. That's one of my justifications.
0: <laughs> to clarify that. So... um Well, do you want to give us the background of yourself and your expertise and how you've gotten this passionate about something? I mean, this is something Paul and I have talked about off on and off for a long time, but uh, not really. I don't I mean, I don't know enough about it to even start what you're trying to propose.
2: Well, I'm a middle aged hunter and that I've been hunting for about 30 years didn't start until uh, everybody in my family had. Died and passed away, and I basically said, "I, you know, I really like hunting, but never got to go with the uncles and things like that." So I'm a self-made hunter from that standpoint. And uh, I do archery, muzzle loading, uh, shotgun. I started back in the '90s when in Ohio you couldn't hunt on Sundays, and you know have enjoyed it. And it went as we've you know gotten Sunday hunting to be allowed. Uh, I've done my share of shotgun hunting with slugs. I hunt in the Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana so i'm uh you know versed in a whole lot of different regulations there a uh, part of what i did shortly after i began hunting was i got certified as a hunter education instructor so i went along and uh you know taught a lot of youth a lot of uh middle age hunters how how to hunt and how to be safe about it for it. Uh, after I did that, I actually became certified with the NRA with uh, their firearm in- instruction program. So I do, uh, I'm a chief range safety officer and understand the ballistics behind the firearms and the need for safety when it comes to a lot of those uh, different pieces of it. Uh, and also, as a multi state kind of sportsman, I go down to uh, or to, over to Indiana and I can shoot with my 243. And that's great. You know, it's a nice, you know, a light recoil kind of uh, rifle and does well, well, on the deer. I've also shot them with, you know, my shotguns and such, but it's also one of those things where it all depends on what do I feel like and, you know, ha- having that choice for it. Uh, hunted down in Kentucky. Kentucky allows you to shoot anything from a 223 on up. Uh, so it's one of those things to where a lot of the states around us allow it. Uh, they've been safe about it. Uh, you know, you don't, you don't hear about, you know, a bunch of people being shot in Kentucky or in, in Indiana. Um, I don't hunt Pennsylvania or Michigan, but they allow rifle hunting too. And it's just one of those things where I've been talking to a lot of hunters, uh, during my time. Um, I'm also the hunting director for the Ohio Rifle and Pistol Association. So that's where I get to talk to a lot of hunters about what they're doing and what they think about hunting in Ohio. And one of the things that came up before is why don't we allow us allow Ohio hunters to use, you know, regular rifle cartridges, you know, bottleneck uh, type of cartridges that we can hunt, you know, coyotes with, that we can hunt wild boar with, that we can, you know, quite frankly, you can, you can hunt squirrels with a 30-06 if you want to. Not going to be a lot left, but it's there's nothing in the regulation saying you can't. And that got me thinking, you know, we should really go along and kind of petition the ODNR, because they're the ones that write the regulations. They're the ones that look at the data behind it. They're the ones that go along and set bag limits, different things. And it's a a complicated uh, formula, but one of the big inputs on that is sportsmen's opinions about, you know, is the season's too long, bag limits too too low, uh, different factors like that. So I want to be one of those voices when the ODNR goes along and figures out their what they're going to allow for seasons to go along and say, hey, hunters have been doing very well with straight wall cartridges in Ohio. And now we're going to go along and trust them with the bottleneck cartridges to basically say if it's a rifle and center rifle, we will allow them to go along and, you know, hunt with it, hunt deer in Ohio with it.
0: I'm not even sure where to start. I've got questions and explanations. I think the first thing that you know you just explained to us you're not just some schmuck off the street. That's me and Paul. Right. Like, you've got the background with firearms and the training and all that. So, um and, and I'll be I'll be honest with you. I mean, you said you've got a podcast as well, but the sometimes you get emails from people and you're not really sure who the, who the heck they are, right? But you're proven that you, you know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, I think before we get into kind of more like the safety and that kind of stuff of the rifle cartridge itself for the average person who just picks up their regulation book every year and, and is does what they're told. How do regulations come to be right? You talked about back in the day when you couldn't hunt on Sundays, you talked about, I mean, it wasn't that long ago they started allowing straight wall cartridges. Obviously there is a process involved, with any Mm -hmm. of these things. So can you go through some of the the background on that?
2: Yeah, I'm not an expert because this is my first time proposing something, but from everybody I've told me, every proposal starts out with the uh, Department of Natural Resources staff where they'll get uh, feedback. And then from that feedback, they will start the process of reviewing it whether that is bag limits about firearms about different uh zones different things along those lines and it's about a two year process so what i'm proposing right now january 2020 the soonest that it could be uh, allow us would be the 25 26 season or just because it's going to take them the next 6 months to look at the look at the look at the data behind it to make a proposal, whether that is to allow all of them to allow just certain cartridges, allow them in certain areas, allow them in certain circumstances, all these types of things that DNR has got to figure out. Then once they have figured it out, then it will go to the uh, wildlife council. And the wildlife council will vote on these later uh, this year or early next year or the following season. So you can see to where this is a, good 12 month uh, to 18 month process before anything you know a sportsman actually see but that's we're also going along and getting their opinions because just like i was saying before you know they ask farmers you know or is the crop damage too high or too low uh for and you know they, they take that in consideration when it comes to setting bag limits on on deer they look at the waterfowl numbers to say okay should we increase the number of mallards that we allow this next season or should we lower the number of wood ducks? Uh, all these kind of questions uh, get answered and then as it goes through the process the biologists that have a lot of experience with it start going along and you know weighing in to figure out what's the bag limit to be same thing when it comes to something along these lines for the firearms they'll have the uh, ODNR law enforcement division weigh in about what do they think about it because you know we'll still have the bag limits you know we're gonna change the bag limits on on the deer so if you're allowed you know you know, harvesting two deer in your county, whether that's with an with an archery equipment, loader, or with a modern firearm, you'll you'll still have have those limits on you. But you know, can the you know what what are the thoughts that the law enforcement has, and they'll take those and put them together, and that's where the guidelines, the regulations will be written from the, uh, along those lines.
0: Yeah, and I I think we can all joke about the government takes forever to do everything, but this is kind of, it's yeah. kind of a big deal, right? Like we want mm-hmm. to. Do, not be knee jerk. We want to make sure everything's ducks in a row. I, I think opinions are important, right? Uh, real science is important. Real data is important as well. When you're, when you're making these kind of, um, you know, changes along the way. So, uh, my personal opinion, I I don't know. I think you, you do want to have all these people in, in, in part of the, 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 the discussion there. So, um, how, so, is there an official proposal process, or is this something where you just kind of go to the Co- wildlife council meeting and say, "Hey, I got this idea"?
2: Yes. <laughs> so, I've started what what I would call a multi prong approach. Is I've gone along and made a formal request that they consider it, but at the same time, they get uh, I, as I've been educated on the process, there's a whole lot of requests that come in every year that you know sportsmen have an idea about things but the ones that get the most consideration that go along and have the best chance are the ones where people will start going along and attending the wildlife uh, council meetings so that they can discuss it with people and get their perspectives on it the ones that come in and they've got the public opinion behind them uh, a perfect example of this and it's this will probably seem extremely foreign to a lot of people listening, but back in the late 90s, it was illegal for you to carry any kind of communication device with you. No cell phones, no radios, no nothing. It was written in the, in the regulations for it. Well, there was a group of uh, sportsmen that basically came together and back then petitioned the DNR to say, hold on a minute, if somebody has an accident, if something happens back in the woods, depending upon, you know, Requiring them to have to get to the road before they could get help is kind of crazy when we've got cell phones and we've got, you know, two A radios, different things like that. So that's where the current regulation in Ohio is that you're allowed carrying a communication device with you as long as it doesn't aid you in the taking of, of a deer. And that's where I'm trying to, trying to use this process coming on your guys podcast. am um, talking with the people at Ohio Outdoor News and such to get sportsmen uh, aware that we need their you know, support of going along and saying, yes, I support this. And the other part too is want to go along and educate people because in a lot of cases, you know, people think of, you know, 30 odd, six cartridge and, you know, that could, that could travel, you know, five miles, you know, how far that is. Well, that is true. You know, you know, physics don't lie, but at the same time, What's the chance of somebody, you know, firing off a 30-06 cartridge at 45-degree angle just perfectly in order to make it 5 miles? Most of the time, it's probably going to be flat across the ground as they as they're shooting at the deer in, a, in an open field, and more likely 100 yards past that deer, that cartridge is going to lose enough to where it's going to drop off and hit the ground and start and start tumbling. Uh, very similar to the same issue you've got with either a from an archery standpoint, or from shotgun to muzzleload. If the hunter doesn't go along and know their target and what's beyond, you know, something bad can happen. You know, know, the farmer's cow uh, could get shot. You know, the tractor could get shot. Different activities like that. And that's where, don't want to go along and sound like it won't be, you know, it's safe to do that, but it's safe when you have uh, hunters that are educated how to properly Gauge distance, proper gauge. What what they can shoot? You know, just like with any archery. I mean, you know, most most bows these days can shoot well over a hundred yards. But most archers, you know, shoot less than fifty yards. Just because they know that going out to one hundred twenty five yards, yes, it's possible. But you know, do you have any chance of really aiming it at that? And answer is no. And that's the same thing that comes with uh, you know have, having rifle cartridges. It's yes, you might be able to shoot that far, but at the same time, you have any chance of hitting it? And what I like to akin it to is hunting has a lot of tradition, tradition to it. You go along and you hunt with your, your uncle, you hunt with your dad, your grandfather when you were little. Well, I'd like to go along and be able to hunt not just with people, but be able to go along and say, I hunted with my grandfather a shotgun. You know, I hunted with my, with my dad's M1 that he brought back from, from the military, you know, when he was in Korea. And just different things along those lines to where there's a whole lot of reasons why hunters might choose one implement over another. And this proposal is just going along and saying, instead of having this artificial ceiling to where we can't use the bottleneck cartridges, let's take that away and allow the hunters to be the ones that make the choice about what they're out there harvesting the deer with.
1: Why don't we have uh, that those options right now? Have you have you heard why the state has never done that before?
2: A lot of it goes back to the 1950s when they first started allowing uh, uh, deer hunting in Ohio, and that is they went along and said at that time only shotguns, only uh, only uh, round balls, pumpkin balls, and because all of those were limited. Most pumpkin balls, you'd be lucky to hit hit an Indian circle at fifty yards. They just were not that accurate coming out of smoothbore. A lot of a lot has changed since then. Hunter education back uh, back then was optional. Ever since nineteen eighty four, hunter education has been mandatory for all new hunters. For it, so we've got over forty years worth of hunter education for everybody that's in the field now. Uh, back in the fifties there would be a a dozen people killed every year in in hunting accidents for one reason or another. We are now in a time for in the last 20 years where we're averaging just about one death every three years. So still not great that we still have death, but at the same time, the number of injuries keeps uh, dropping and that's good. I think that goes a lot to hunter education that where people are being educated. Most of the, most of the fatalities and different things, injuries that are happening are self-inflicted now versus back in the fifties, it was somebody shooting into the brush and not knowing somebody else was there. And that's where the, the type and of accidents and such that people are having now are like, yeah, you should have known better versus going long and you know you were shooting into the bush and that happens to be your brother your neighbor that was walking through there and that's where the type of accents have changed
0: you know it's just crazy when you bring that up and my grandfather had told said told me a story similar to that uh you know he'd been at a bar after the night of hunting and some guy was like oh did you see anything and he said no i I had a good brush shot and he's like what's that well i shot into the brush and like that would have been back in the the 60s maybe 70s but like to me, when I hear that, that makes me cringe. Like who the hell would do that? But I think that's part of the education process. Like you were mentioning, you know, as somebody who didn't grow up in hunting or anything, but I had to go through those hunting courses and, and do that hunter say, Holy crap. You'd never, I would never consider doing something like that. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I get excited in the woods, just like anybody else, but to just shoot into the brush what the hell, like that sounds like a terrible idea. Um, but I, I mean, I, I guess back in the day, maybe that was something that they did. I don't know, but.
2: Yeah. Well, it's the old days of the red flannel, you know, versus the, you know, hunter orange that we have today and such. So, you know, the safety standards have uh, changed significantly in the last uh, 70 some years. Yeah.
0: All the way around. So, yeah. I'm trying to think how, Paul, do you have any questions on any of that as far as like how the bill becomes or the stuff comes in and all that?
1: so there's no there's no chance this would go to like legislation people would have to, you know the the house would have to get involved I and mean, this is all between the DNR and the wildlife council right
2: well the the uh the legislature has delegated the authority to make these rule changes to the DNR and the wildlife council for it the wildlife council is appointed by the uh governor uh quite frankly we don't wanna get the legislature involved because once you start opening up legislature, just like with any other bill that they pass, there's always things they don't put in there. Don't there's a lot of uh, a lot of extra stuff that's put in there. You don't want to be there from a sportsman's perspective. We just wanna have a simple regulation change and not, not open up the whole book to where they could go along and, and mess things up from funding perspective to other uh, uh, perspectives um, a couple of years ago uh, there was uh, some activity where there, the legislature was going to start going along and setting the bag limits by county and we were successful in going along and, and nipping that in the bud before it came about um, because quite frankly the DNR has the biologists that know the, the animals that can set them confidently an elected official might have constituents that want him to change things one way or the other but they don't have maybe the wildlife, the resource interest at, at hand because they're more interested in pleasing a constituent, whether that would be a farmer, an insurance company, or just, you know, somebody with a lot of money that can donate to them versus going along and making sure that there's a healthy deer herd or healthy um, duck population, those types of uh, things. So I definitely don't, do not want to go the, go the route of legislature uh, just because of what that could, could open up for us overall smart man
0: smart man right there <laughs> keep it out of the house and listen that that's for any
1: that's for any bill that deals with wildlife not just this this scenario so
2: right yeah uh, unless, unless we need something restructured within the dnr that's the only time we'd go to the legislature everything else is going to go go through as rule changes which uh a is a lot easier because we can talk to professionals versus going along and talking to politicians you know
1: yeah, definitely. Um, so what, what are some of the, what's some of the pushback that you get from either the agency personnel, wildlife council, or, or just hunters in general that you've had conversations with
0: or non hunters?
2: Well, quite frankly, uh, this whole campaign is about two weeks old. I went to my first wildlife council meeting uh, last week and the only kind of pushback we had from the people that we talked to there was they think cartridges would go too far. That you know that a thirty odd six would go, you know, could potentially go five miles and different things. And as I go along, it you know it's physics; it will go that far, you know, if you if you're not careful about it. But also too, you realize that a shotgun slug can go in a mile and a half. So you go along and start looking at these distances, and these are the maximum, you know, maximum uh, distances that they can make. It really goes long, and instead of looking at the uh, possibility of how far something can go, we really got to look at what's going to be the hunting situation, you know, where they're shooting in an open field, and it's going across, you know, a 400-yard field, and they miss the deer. Well, it can only go, you know, when it's running parallel, it's only got so far before it's going to start dropping inches and feet, and then all of a sudden it hits the dirt. Same time, most deer hunting in Ohio, least like what one I've seen, done from a deer stand, too. So when you go along and add that into it, you've got a angle where you're pointing toward the dirt anyway. So the possibility of something going on forever, you know that that which is their biggest argument, is extremely extremely rare. Just like somebody said, you know, you couldn't use a compound bow that had over a sixty pound pull weight because that would allow it to go one hundred fifty yards. Well that would only be in the most optimal and somebody would be have to be extremely careless to be pointing in that direction
0: so i'm going to play devil's advocate through some of this all right so i just want to hear kind of like the the rebuttal i could see one of your opposition being you don't need something that can shoot 5 miles in ohio we you know mm-hmm. we got small parcels we've got you know property lines we've you know you don't need anything that can go that far why why would we even need that
2: well, part of it comes down to it's not about the need. It's, it's about going along and giving you a choice because, uh, 350 legend, you know, that can go two miles. So, you know, we're, we're going along and look, not looking at the total distance, the small parcels. Well, wouldn't it be nice to be able to go along if you were on a small parcel and be able to know, have the confidence that if you hit the deer, that it's going to drop very quickly versus potential. Potentially having to go to two or three parcels over and ask for permission to go on their property or worse yet not be able to recover that deer so it could potentially go, go along and reduce the number of unrecoverable deer that we have in ohio too
0: i think that's a huge point now i'm, I'm back to being on your side okay uh but <laughs> <Good>. the, the <laughs> efficacy of of uh you know a rifle with a good scope and everything is going to increase like you said you're in, reduce wounded deer you're gonna take more deer. I bet you're going to bring more hunters into the, into the fray. Uh, one of the mm-hmm. things we've talked about at nauseam, I feel like is crossbows. And I mean, we take a lot of deer in the state with crossbows and, and there's other states. No, we don't want crossbows. You know, we just got I just had a big talk with Dan Johnson about how he thinks that it ruins Iowa's Bob, whatever. But the fact of the matter is when you're talking biology and we have a huge deer herd and we need deer to go down, uh, you know, to balance this all out, I think a lot of these weapon choices, when you give people a choice, um, am I going to, I really want to go get a deer today. Am I going to wait for one to come in within 20 yards or is it something that I can reach out a little bit further? Uh, that makes a big difference.
2: You know, well, think, think about this, your girlfriend, your wife, daughter, uh, you know, your young, young son wants to go out hunting with you. Are you going to go along, give him the 20 gauge, you know, and shoot uh pumpkin balls out, or, you know, even giving them a, a three fifty legend. you know, Maybe it's not his size. Um, all these things. Or would it be easier and better for them to have a two forty three that they, you know, is a nice, light, youth, mild, you know, mild recoil, all those types of things for those first-time hunters. Because I can remember when I got into it and I put the 12-gauge in my shoulder, you knew when you fired it. Um, and, and every time I took a new hunter out, it's like, okay, when you pull the trigger, uh, keep that pushed in your shoulder pocket, nice and tight, or else you're going to end up with a bruise there. And every time you know, new hunters pulled trigger, it's like, oh, wow, I, I did kick quite a bit. If I was doing it today, I wouldn't do 12 gauge. I'd be, you know, looking at 350 legend or something, you know, a little bit lighter like that. And if I had the choice of a bottleneck, I would go along and be looking like a 243 cartridge that would be, uh that would do the job but also wouldn't go along and you know potentially a bruise her shoulder.
0: I'm with you. 100%. Mm-hmm. I hate shooting my 12 gauge and you let me shoot my 270 all day long and I'm I'm about it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when I go to Pennsylvania or Michigan, I mean, I don't even really have an Ohio gun per se anymore because I don't hunt here during gun season cuz I get to, I go to these other states where I can hunt with a rifle and I love that thing. And then honestly, I don't take shots. I think the furthest shot I ever took on a deer is like 200 yards. So, that, I mean, this is over in the Hills. Uh, that's, you know, I'm still not going to be out trying to shoot them at four miles or whatever, you know, like,
2: mm-hmm. yep, uh, definitely. And, you know, I haven't hunted Michigan and Pennsylvania before, but those are two States that again, you don't hear about these problems, about some, about rounds landing five miles away and different things like that. You've got the same kind of hunting, Uh, hunter education in each of those states, you can see where hunters are being responsible of just not going along and, you know, pick or going out and hunting uh, the animal, but also going along, you know, what's, what's a reasonable range. You know, if I'm using a bow, I can, I can shoot this far. If I'm using a muzzleloader, I can go here. And if I'm, if I'm able to have a cartridge that I can reach out a little bit further, wouldn't you rather have something that gave you a little bit more confidence that you were able to retrieve that deer versus going along and saying, okay, you know, muzzler says it can shoot 200 yards and I'll take it and kind of put it on the back and hopefully it'll drop sometime in the next, you know, two, three hundred yards. Well, we all know what happens on those blood trails. You know, you, you think it's 200 yards and all of a sudden it's, you know, four or five, you know, 600 yards away. I was like, wow, I might not hit as good as I did, but you're still following blood, which means you wounded the animal. And that's where you feel the worst because it's like, okay, how much further is it going to go? You know, I'll pull out and wait till the morning, but even then, you know, what starts going that far? What's going to be left? You know, are you going to catch? Are you going to get it before the coyotes get it that night? You know, good, good question. And that's where a lot of it, in my mind, comes down to choice. We've got the safety established. Let's now go along, trust the hunters, and allow them to go and and pick out the firearm that they think is appropriate. You know, one of the things we were talking about archery that I think is kind of interesting for people to realize is you know that Ohio's archery harvest is up to 60% of the deer which means wow. that which means that even though we're talking rifles and even though we're talking all these different uh pushback for it, we're not even talking about the majority of uh hunters anymore you've got a lot of people out there crossbows with compound bows uh hunting those seasons so really when it comes to the modern firearm season it's allowing those those that want to use a firearm to be able to go along and actually use a rifle so i kind of remember 96 97 the uh, uh, those seasons the woods were full of orange i can tell you when i go hunting in ohio now during the firearm season I see one or two other hunters and, and that's it. It's no longer a sea of orange like it used to be. And that's, and that's on public land. I, I hunt out in, um, uh, or I hunt some of the season out in, uh, Wayne national forest out by, uh, Jackson there. Uh, do you have a question, Paul?
1: I think there might be a little, de- it might be a little delay on my end. Rob. what about like ag country, Northwest Ohio, the Western half of mm-hmm. the state flat as can be. Um, mm-hmm. is there is there any concern about
2: about the rifle rounds traveling further the possibility is there yes the um Internet's for yeah um but if i understand the question right you know about north uh northwest part of ohio and the possibility is there now of course you know we were just talking it's up to the hunter to know his target and what's beyond uh you know if he's shooting across uh a 300-acre you know, bean field, you know, he's got to know how, what, what his limit is. Now, you know, the question comes down to is he an elevated stand, tripod stand, you know, looking over, over that bean field, or is he, you know, in a ground blind? Because I would venture to say most of the time, you know, the hunters that I've seen, again, almost universally, are shooting from elevated platforms. Um, there are some that shoot from ground blinds and such, and that's great. But the majority of every hunter I know, they've got a saddle that they're up in a hunter with or in a tree with. They've got climbers or they've got tripods uh, that they've got, they've set up, uh, you know, for deer hunting. Just because that extra, you know, six, seven feet above gives you added a, a visibility into what you're shooting at. And also when we're talking about, you know, using uh, rifles, it would also pretty much mean that if you're aiming at the deer, 30 feet behind that deer, that bullet's going to impact the ground just because of the angle where you're shooting from.
0: So if you were to go through this process and they came back to you and said, look, here, uh, here's what we'll do. We're going to take the state and we're going to take like the lower or the, the southern half, let's just say like the, the, you know, down the along the river, southern portion, Columbus south, and then, you know, Columbus east. And you can, we'll do rifles over there. We're going to leave that northwest corner just as it is. Is that mm-hmm. something you'd be considering, or is this all-or-nothing type of uh, proposal?
2: Well, in the, in the proposal, I don't have all the data to be able to go along and recommend those different areas, and that's where my proposal to the DNR is for rifles across the state. And then I'm looking for them to go along and say, okay, are they going to segment the state up into zones? Or are they going to go along and dictate that you've got to be in a uh, tree stand? You know, similar what like what Michigan does. Or are they going to go along and put some caliber restrictions on it? You know, the cartridge can't be longer than this, or has to be above this caliber. Um, all those things the DNR has the data on that they can come back with, and we can look at it and, and see if we can support their proposal or not. Because I would be I would be happy with seeing part of the state covered um, it, immediately, and then as we work. Work through the years that we go along and start adding other uh, parts of states to it. Once we see how well they're being adopted in, you know, one area.
0: I don't know how it works in Michigan, but if I understand, I think they run like a two-zone type thing, right? Where the northern mm-hmm. part of the state you can use a traditional rifle, and southern half is more like us. Is that correct?
2: Uh, as I understand, uh, you that. I'm not sure exactly where the where the cutoff is between them, but in the lower part of the peninsula, you're still, you know, shotgun zone in the upper part, you're into the center fire rifles. Gotcha.
0: Yeah, and I think there I mean, I can see some aspects of that, you know, uh Northwest is very flat. But, like, there are parts of our state that look just like West Virginia or Pennsylvania or Kentucky from the mm-hmm. topography side of things. Um, so, I I mean, when I think about it, if they came with, like, a band, you know, doing that southern and eastern part, I I could almost see uh, something like that. I still agree with you. I think that most of everything, if done right, you know, it's
2: not going to be an issue. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm down here in Cincinnati. So we've got, you know, quite a lot of Hills compared to the rest of the state or, you know, from our, our hunting, we've got increased population, but again, we've got, you know, tall Hills, you know, a couple hundred foot Hills and such and deep valleys that, um, you know, would, I think in my mind would be perfect, uh, for some situations like that, even with a higher density because you've got big Hills in between, uh, farms and lands and such and you're not going to be hitting those unless you really are doing something you know not very smart
0: so one of the things i have always wondered and you kind of brought it up earlier even more to a different extent than i ever thought about it i think about hunting coyotes right and you can use whatever the hell you want and you go out in the middle of the night right so to Mm -hmm. me if we're going to talk about safety and this is one of these things like how much do you bring this up with a before it backfires on you, but like you're in the dark. Yeah. You could be thermal or night vision or spot, whatever you're doing to get these coyotes. But like at the same time, you're, you talk about knowing what's behind you. I mean, if there is a time to almost not you, it's in the dark, but obviously if you're doing it the right way, you understand the land that you're on, you know, what's behind Mm -hmm. Know where you're, I I'm short. So for me, anytime I can get elevated, that's a win in life. Uh, so I'll always try to be up higher than I, you know. So I'm shooting down, but like, that's one of those things that I'm just when I, mean, I sit there and scratch my head. And then you brought up the idea of shooting squirrels, which honestly is probably worse because you are directly, you know, squirrels live in the tree, uh, most of the time. Yep. In like, no matter if it's a 22 or you know a 30 at six, like you shoot that up into a tree, God only knows where the hell that thing could go if you miss. Uh, Mm -hmm. squirrels are small, right?
2: Like, yep, exactly. Mm. -hmm. Yeah. So there's a whole lot of, you know, you know, what ifs, but that's, that's where, you know, my proposal is to, you know, have the DNR come back and figure out what could be safely done because there is a lot of Ohio to where you could go along and use a rifle for deer hunting. That would not be a problem at all and it, we might just have to prove it out in one part before we can get to all the other parts.
0: You calling me? Yeah, I'm saying if you got anything. You got a little bit of a delay, so uh, <laughs> we're just try- trying to get you uh, on the where you can. Uh, just lean into the mic when you want to ask something, and we'll get you put in there. I'm I'm hesitant to, to wreck this interview, but... Um... Rob, I'm, I'm
1: I'm 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 on your side. I think a lot of the pushback that you're going to get is from deer hunters, uh, that that only bow hunt, you know, um, and not crossbow. You know, I think I think that's that's going to be the the most vocal uh, anti crowd on this is because in their mind, it's going to you know make it too easy and take more big deer and and make opportunity greater for other people, um, you know, that that they don't necessarily agree with so i think it's gonna be the biggest hurdle honestly it's gonna be internal from the hunting community not the state mm-hmm. if i had to guess that's just my my opinion um but you talk about safety the, one of the craziest things the first time that i hunted in michigan you only need an orange hunter orange hat that's it you don't need it you don't need a vest that's it a hat a hunter orange hat so
2: yeah indiana same I'm way board. just a hat and the the one thing i've done already um, at the Wildlife Council, started talking to the other sportsman's group because, again, uh, this can't be just Rob's great idea, you know, and get it passed um, because it'll it'll take me years to do it if it's just me because i got to convince the DNR to look into it. And that's where I'm trying to go along and get people to, you know, organizations to think about it, to support it, to support the idea of looking into what can be allowed. Um, part of the reason why I reached out to you guys, get on, because you've got a good Ohio contingent uh, that are following you and hopefully get more people because there's two things that, that are coming up that is important for people to help support this cause. And that is in March, there will be district open houses at each of the district uh, uh, locations and you'll as sportsmen we can go along writing comments and what we'd like to encourage all the hunters out there to do besides their what they're going to talk to them about turkey hunting or or duck hunting or squirrel hunting those types of things go along put a comment in there you'd like to go along and see rifles be allowed uh, in the state of ohio and then we can go back to the dnr after they've got they've seen the response and be able to say okay Now you've got this, you know, what, what seems like a a reasonable proposal first step in making this uh, happen.
0: And Paul brought up a good point about the struggle being internally. Uh, and I, I think there's, that's a whole nother story, but if you, well, leaving that aside, what are you looking at from an opposition standpoint when it comes to non hunters, Because I feel like there's a whole bunch of people that would just go bananas at this idea because we already know what they think the AR-15 is and they don't have, you know, a lot of the the other side of the spectrum doesn't really understand guns, but they'll think, oh, my gosh, we're just going to start, you know, Wild West type stuff. And uh, sometimes people in political offices don't like that pressure from the other side. What Mm -hmm. how is it just going to be one of these data type things where we're going to go after it with. Look, this is what we can do to help manage the herd, the safety, and just really kind of pumping that idea.
2: Well, the herd, the safety, but also you know the DNR is very aware of license sales have gone down. You know they they lose approximately four percent every year, uh, and hunters that are retiring, pass away, different things like that. And if we can go along and reverse that trend, uh, that brings in a lot of good money into the DNR. Been able to spend on things um you know early on i talked about you know we're not talking about changing bag limits or going along and doing anything that should affect the deer harvest all we're doing is going along and saying allow the hunters to have the choice if they decide to take their two deer with a crossbow and a muzzle letter, great if they use traditional bow and then the, then they want to go out and they use their grandfather's m1 to take one great You know, it's, it's all, it will all be the same from a harvest perspective. It's just the safety, bringing in new hunters forward and hopefully higher license sales as well as, you know, quite frankly, a lot less uh, wounded deer at the same time, because we've got hunters that can be more confident and more assured of, you know, their shots and are going to bring down the deer quickly.
0: My, I like it. Yeah, no, I think this is great. Okay. So as we move forward, we t- we talked about this being a multi-year process and there's a lot of people that need to be on board. Um, what can people, you talked about the, the open houses, what else can people do to help further this cause? I mean, I know in the, you know, you hear a lot of this stuff, call your Senator, or, you know, representative, but we don't really don't want them. Mm-hmm. Involved, right. Uh, right can they maybe if they're in you know far northeast ohio or cincinnati they can't get to wildlife council meeting in columbus or whatever like what can
2: people do right what i would suggest we need people to reach out to their sportsmen uh clubs and such and encourage them to contact the dnr you know write proposals for them to do it so if you are uh backcountry hunters and anglers association if you're Ducks Unlimited, if you're Quail Quail Unlimited, if you are the Big Buck Club, all these different organizations. If you are in a sportsman group, go along and request, ask, you know, push them to make this a formal request, not just on an individual basis. Because again, a lot of these organizations have a lot of pull with them. Uh, one of the one of the organizations I've already started reaching out to is the Ohio, Ohio Farm Bureau, because farmers have a lot of pull also, and that's where. You know, farmers being able to go along and say, "Yes, we would like to have this." Well, think about it. When we're when you're thinking about all these bullets going all over the place, they've got equipment, they've got they've got uh, livestock that's around. They would probably be one of the biggest ones that would be worried about it. And that's where having their support behind us, saying, "Yes, we know there's a potential risk, but we also have had hunters on our property for a long time, and we know how responsible they are." and that's the response that we want to want to get from them and that's where trying to get a multi-pronged multi-group approach uh is extremely important. I've got a change.org petition that I'll send over to you uh in a little bit that is one of those things where yes, it's uh you know the 21st century and we use the internet to drive a whole lot of different things, Well, why can't sportsmen go along and use the technology, too, to kind of pull together and say, hey, it's not just, you know, Paul, Andrew, and Rob requesting this. Let's go along and say, hey, we've got, you know, 5,000, 10,000 hunters that are interested in this proposal, and that helps to get the attention of the DNR up. Obviously, when you start talking those numbers, just like when they got the communication devices changed back in the late 90s, want to want to try to get this uh, out there and changed uh, quickly and easily. So within our lifetime, we'll be able to go along and take our kids out with uh, rifles.
0: No, I think that's great. And uh, Rob, where can people find out more information about you? You said you got a podcast uh, that you talk about stuff and uh, I don't know if social media, any of that kind of stuff.
2: Um, I'm on social media, um, under, uh, Rob Beckman. If people want to connect me on, on, uh, Facebook, Instagram and such, I've got a podcast, which, uh, doesn't have anything to do with hunting at all. It's oh, called okay. Farm Trainer, Farm Trainer Podcast uh, that's out there. So if people are interested in farm training and such, uh, it's, uh, we take on the instructor kind of topics so that people can go along and understand how to build a business as a farm instructor. But I am in the process. I'm also besides everything else i'm vice president for a high rifle and pistol association and i will put, be posting additional information out there if uh you've got an organization or group and you want to become help us uh on the inside and be in our uh circle of uh, friends where we try to go along and show up at wildlife council meetings show up at district meetings those types of things uh contact me and uh, we will uh, get you included in there i know this is the spring and there's always a whole lot of uh, sportsmen dinners, banquets that go on. Uh, go along and think about talking it up there among them. Because, again, this isn't just going to be done with three guys on a podcast. This is going to go along and take a groundswell of support of sportsmen that go along and say, yes, we want to be able to do this. Yes, we can go along and do it safely. And, yes, you know, we, we think it be good for deer hunting in Ohio.
0: Well, Rob, keep us in the loop, right? We'll uh keep bringing it up, posting, talking about it, and uh see what we can get to happen around here. So um appreciate your time tonight and send over everything and, and we'll keep pumping it.
2: Sounds great. I appreciate being on the podcast and best of luck to you guys going forward. Happy. Yeah, thanks, Rob.
1: Hold my beer for
2: a minute. I'm about to quit my job, cash in for a ticket. I'm going on a trip and I don't plan to visit. I'm going to stay there till I feel like I'm winning all. And this is just the beginning. I need a big change. Help me feel like living. I need a big swing home runs. I'm hitting and I'll never look back. Moving on till I get it all.